Welcome to The Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place where we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your host. I'm James. And we got Pastor David. Yes, sir. We got Caesar. Yo. And today our special guest is Micah. What's good? How you doing, Micah? How you been? <laughs> I've been doing great. We're real happy to have you here. Man. Micah, where are you coming in from right now? I'm coming in from school, uh, UHCL, University of Houston, Clear Lake. Went home, had some pasta. Now I'm here now. Had some oatmeal this morning. Tell me what you're drinking right now. Uh, I'm drinking some boba. Oh, that's what you was asking for. You was asking <laughs> so I can... Yeah, I went and got some boba right before I came to this little podcast session. And yeah, nah, it's, it's hidden different because it's coffee and it's sweet. Like they... <laughs> souped it up with sugar <laughs> but we're glad to have you man yeah, yeah thanks for coming so today we're discussing um oh no we're not talking about yeah, that. yeah we're discussing some gold medal rats yeah we and are caesar what you got we talking about the child the child child <laughs> well let's get started with the culture corner all right caesar what you got uh, uh. I was about to go. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us about your culture. <laughs> Drop some bars. Hey, so real quick, at the end of the month, really excited. Season two of The Mandalorian is coming to All Disney right. Plus. Disney Plus, if you're listening, we Ooh. need a sponsor. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, really, Disney Plus, I know there's some other things on there, but that's really kind of the only reason why we have it, and we don't even pay for it. We're using one of our family members' accounts. I think what? That's- what? I think that's most people. Yep. Somebody's going Plus. to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and you better believe that we did not pay for Mulan. Right? We're not going to watch that. There's no. When I heard that there was no Mushu, that's it. Oh, You're there done. wasn't Mushu no in it. Mushu. That was a, why number one sign. Of why wouldn't they do the that? Movie. It was live action, and I guess they wanted. I, I don't know. Just I didn't see handle it. it. Bro, I didn't see it. Bro, 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 hang on a second, bro. <laughs> that's like Shrek without the donkey. Yeah, what? What is that? That's Nemo without Dory. What? That is that's peanut butter without that's, that's, that's pool without Tigger. That is SpongeBob without Patrick. Right, yeah. That <laughs> that is that is cat dog with only the cat. I can keep going if we do. That's Dexter's Laboratory without Dee Dee. <laughs> This is just off the dome, bro. Oh, you don't man. have this without a Netflix. No, no, it's it, it's organic. Ooh. It's right. But yeah, the Mandalorian like is coming. Everybody <laughs> Turn up. Um, anyway, that was a reference to last week's podcast. But hey, that's all right. But the Mandalorian season two is coming back. If you haven't watched it yet, it's definitely bingeable. So before the thirtieth, which I don't even know if you're going to listen to this on the thirtieth, it's probably going to come out after, isn't it? Yep. Yep, it's going to come out after. We'll binge season one, and you are going to be in for a treat. It's a part of the Star Wars universe here. Um, it takes place before these new ones, uh, this whole Ray story and all that, which we won't get into. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to rant on that because those movies were terrible, but uh, The Mandalorian... <laughs> yeah, that's the sound they deserve. Mm-hmm. But The Mandalorian, it, 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 it in case you're not... We're not going to get into it, but in, in case you're just not familiar with it, it follows a rogue warrior from a, uh, a warrior uh, culture background. He finds, 
I don't want to call him Baby Yoda. They call him the child because it's not Baby Yoda. But you've definitely seen Baby Yoda. And in my house, he's called Baby Yoda. That's Yoda. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it, 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 I think it was the forerunner uh, for... Um, for disney plus's success and that's saying a lot uh because they do have their disney vault that has all the classics and all that stuff in there but the mandalorian uh was definitely a uh uh it stepped out into the spotlight just real real good stuff but second season um it's gonna be really good it's directed by john favreau he's right he writes a story in case you don't know who he is he was in iron man he was in uh, that old movie with keanu reeves the replacement yeah, chef movie that came out that a few chef years ago. movie uh he's just kind of been everywhere but uh you know also they also have other people that uh that that direct it um i'm gonna try to pull up some names here of some people that have directed these kind of things can't find it. I seen at the end of the season they introduced one of my favorite actors, like Giancarlo Esposito. Like if you've seen like Friday or seen the show like Revolution, like bro, he is a great actor. Absolutely. Well, I can't find the names right now, but Pedro Pascal, he is the Mandalorian. They call him Mando on there. Uh, just some, just some really, really good characters that are coming out. The directors have these are all Hollywood directors that have uh, been a part of the. Uh, all the biggest franchises that we've had these last 10 years as well, they're directing on there as well. Mm -hmm. And just storyline, all that, it's great. It's, I'm sure it's going to generate a lot of revenue for Disney+. Plus. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. That's, uh, what do you think about it, David? So I was just about to ask the question. So, you know, a few podcasts ago, we talked about, you know, the superheroes. I've only watched one, and I fell asleep on that one. And, you know, all this whole thing. So, so inspiring. So should... <laughs> Should I give this a try? Should I go back to season one and try it? Are or you? Do you like Star Wars? What's a Star Wars? Oh my god! <laughs> There's no way you. Pastor Dave has been in prison the last fifty years of his yeah, life. Yeah, he just got out like last week. <laughs> okay, so the the only Star Wars I've ever seen. Star Wars is actually in your generation. That's what I was going to see. Yeah. So the only Star Wars I ever seen was the one where I think it was Luke Skywalker took his. And cut that Took burn open, and they one. got inside of it to stay warm. Oh, mm -hmm. that's episode five. Yeah, yeah. The Tauntaun. That's the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> mm. So that was four, what, 19, like the OG one. What was that like nineteen eighty nine or something that like was that? Like nineteen eighty one. Yeah, so. which that was the first trilogy, which is the best trilogy. Uh, but yeah, everything's so, the best. Back you know, in my I, day. I don't know. I, I mean. And you didn't even uh, for watch you, him. maybe I'd say you probably wouldn't care about this. Okay, I won't waste my time. But the rest of the world <laughs> will care about this. Anybody older than? Oh gosh, I haven't seen it, but I wanted to. I just I don't have Disney Plus, and uh, well, just yeah. get his password. Yeah, yeah, he's borrowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll charge you five dollars for my yeah, borrowed right. password. <laughs> That'd be a deal, isn't it? Like seven bucks a month or something? Something like that. Yeah, but I think so you I could get a couple bucks off, man. And then you can partner with like Hulu and ESPN or something yeah, like that. that and if y'all listening to too, we can definitely use Listen, a sponsor. I just want you know our future sponsor, ESPN and Disney Plus, <laughs> to know that I pay for this. Okay, <laughs> I do pay for my Disney Plus and uh -huh. the ESPN Plus. Yeah. So just to keep it on the up and up. Well, with those terrible last trilogy Star Wars movies that they they should be handing out subscriptions for that. Yeah. That was horrible. Yeah. But anyway, season two is is looking. It, it, I'm, if you've seen the trailer, I mean, it looks fantastic. See, I was going to say, so they, they're capable of making good new Star Wars stuff. Oh, fantastic. Because 7, 8, and 9 were not good. But they did the uh, the Han Solo thing. They did, um, oh gosh, what was the other Rogue one? Rogue One. Rogue mm -hmm. One. Like, those were really good. Very good. Those were, so they're, it, they can do it. 
It's just but, a uh, really complex plot that they have to deal with. Uh-huh. Like, they can go anywhere in that universe. Dude, I used to be, like, really into Star Wars stuff. Like, well, I, I wouldn't say really in. I don't know any of the backstory stuff. I'm not really I was just like, <laughs> I seen the movies, and I thought they were cool. So whatever you want to call that as a Star Wars fan. But uh, it's gotten so much to where I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of just over it because it's just... There's, there's too much story. It's just like all the superhero stuff when I, we were talking yeah. about that. It's just, there's too much. Why all you gotta know just... is Baby Yoda. That's yeah, it. Baby Yoda. Anyway, just come up with some new things, okay? Quit, yeah. trying, to, quit trying to copy off my air, you know, yeah. 1980? You know Star Wars is a little different because they've got like a whole new universe and apparently Mandalorian is not really connected no. with all that stuff very much. So it's like a new story, just using the same universe. But Exactly. Get your own uh, universe. <laughs> they created their own. <laughs> Anyways, and the story of it happened rats. A long time ago. Tell me oh about God. these rats. We'll What's tell going you about on with these, these rats? rats? A rat called Magawa. Oh yeah. Awarded this. Uh, it was awarded a prestige gold medal from Columbia Landmine Director. So these rats are actually being trained. Well, this rat is actually being trained. It takes nine months to train this light-footed rat to detect landmines that were uh, put all over Cambodia uh, during the wars with Asia between like the eighties and the early nineties. And what can it detect? Landmines. I've heard about this. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. So these rats, did they detect it or did they like take one for the team and just blow up? (laughs) Well, I'm assuming this rat, (laughs) this rat survived because he got a gold, yeah. A golden award. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, it says nice. that they are light-footed, so they do not set off landmines. But they, like, and sniff them out or something, No, right? no rat has been harmed <laughs> during these operations. Light-footed okay? rats. Light-footed rats. And I these know are a few huge of them. rats. So, if you can see this rat, look how big this rat is. These are large, Dang, large bro. rats. It's like that ratatouille. So, for, so yeah. for, since everybody can't see yeah, this, this is Rudy-tooty about... Uh, or whatever that show Rudy-tooty? Yeah. Ratatouille. <laughs> tooty Fresh and fruity. What is that, like a foot and a half? Yeah. Minus I, the tail? Oh, uh, yeah, he's probably... Not big, including the tail? Yeah, it's like a sm- small dog. My dog weighs three and a half pounds. I bet you this rat's at least that big. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. Sure. So an dog, estimated man. 5 million landmines were laid in Cambodia during the, the conflicts with Southeast Asia during 1975 and 1998. Dang, bro. Yeah, that's a lot. So every, it was saying in this uh, this report, every mine that he that he finds is a life that was saved from the men, women, yeah. and children in that area. So. Is he going to go to the White House? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how Trump feels about Cambodia, you know? It just depends. <laughs> This is the greatest rap <laughs> ever. It, 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 might, it might, it just might be another president that'd be welcoming me, uh, welcome in this, this rat in. Listen, no rats in the White House. No rats. Okay, that, that's a Trump hates rats. You remember the story yeah. when Trump got in? They had those rats in the in there, and they was going back and telling the left all about what he was doing. So he no rats. He exterminated all the rats from the warehouse. I mean, the, the White House. Warehouse. So yes, I'm sure that uh, Trump is not going to let the rats in. Yeah, <laughs> America. All right, man. Well, I'm I'm excited about uh, Micah being here today. I know uh, he was one of my youth. He was just a young buck with no facial hair back then. That's facts. Uh, way less hair on top of his head, and uh, and he's just had a, just a really good. Uh, Time in our church, experiences that uh, a lot of us haven't experienced, and he's went off and done mission trips and all kinds of stuff. So um, I know he's got a story to tell. So Pastor Caesars, why don't you lead us off on this one and 
uh, let's see where we go. All right, Michael. Well, like Pastor David said, we're happy that you're here. There's a lot to kind of unfold on the story of who is Micah Thomas, but in a, in just a maybe a, a thesis statement, just just kind of give us a, a, a rundown. Of who are you, man? Who am I, man? That's a big question. Uh, I think uh, recently one of the big things about me is that um, I'm just really trying to specify what God wants. Like one thing is like I know we all have it. We're all on this road to figure this all out and chase the heart of God. And I think. Uh, me, uh, given all the time I've had to um, just discover God with with my church, um, I think a lot of times, like I spent a lot of time being single, uh, so like I I didn't have to devote my attention to somebody else. So the one relationship I've had a lot of time to spend with is God, and uh, I've known my calling from like a real real young age. And uh, I'm starting to discover like my personal testimony in multiple different forms where it went from seeming like a resume just a little bit um, to something that's more specific and more real, more honest. And for the, for the people that don't know you at home, uh, well, how old are you right now, man? I'm 21. I just turned 21 late August. 21. So you have a, 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 some deep roots here in our church. That's you right. have uh, deep roots in the Christian faith. Um, yeah, did you grow up here your whole life? Right. I grew up in this church my whole life. One thing I like to say is, uh, like, I've been in this church way before I was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your dad's a board member. Yeah. Your your grandfather is uh, just a tremendous, tremendous missionary and has been part of this church right. for 35, 40 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, so you have some, some shoes to fill, and it sounds like uh, right. you're taking those very serious. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, and 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 your in your family. I mean, what's what's your cultural background? My cultural background. Uh, my family. Uh, both sides of the family were based in uh, Southwest India, um, over in a little um, state of India called Kerala, and a city called Punalore. Um, and we are all just around that ballpark. And then uh, it's a long story how they came to the U.S. But both of my parents were born in India, but they came here when they were about like three, four. They were just really immersed into the culture right away. Both grew up in North Shore. So, um, somebody tell me about the Mustangs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Come on now. The Mustangs. Uh, my mom went to a private school. My dad went to Reagan and North Shore. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not lying on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's where, I, that's where I grew up. So Tell me about the Mustangs. Tell me about the Mustangs. Them state champions. Come on now. That's facts. Oh, gosh. Well, very good. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about your, you know, you're coming up, you know, you, you, you was born in here and then really God just started just blooming some, some, some feelings in you and some like he, yeah. he birthed, uh, he birthed this type of, um, burning inside of you to do some different things Definitely. for him. T- tell us where God's got you at really right now. Yeah. Honestly, there's a lot of like personal evolution that I've had to go through. Um, growing up in a Christian family with a huge calling, even since I was little, like even my aunt Rachel, she even told me like I would sit on my grandpa's lap and tell him like, hey, I want to be just like Upacha. And Upacha is like what we used to call like our grandpa, grandpa, you know. Um, so um, and this is brother Korean to yeah, us. Brother Jacob Korean. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I knew from a young age that I wanted to do mission work. But obviously, like that. That statement in itself has a lot of fantasy in the behind it, just not understanding 
what the real concept of mission work is. I've just come to understand that I'm not forcing a culture uh, on anybody when I'm going. I'm developing relationships and I'm showing them like the way that is going to bring them more joy, less scars. This world is just so full of hurt. One thing that's promised is that there's going to be just a lot of heartbreak and loss. And I just want to, like, a God that cares about you wants to keep you away from those consequences and wants you to live in actual fulfillment um, and real living. So I think that's super important. And it's so easy to be genuine with that mindset so far um, and just give people the rest and peace that they deserve with this world. It just can be really, really rushed. Well, that's some, a this lot is of, the way. That's a lot of wisdom in, in that uh, statement for a young man. Um, what now have you have you been to um, back to India where your parents have had uh, was born in and I guess you had some roots there too have you been back there I have uh, the first time I went was when I was about two three years old second time I went I was about like 17 18 ish um, I went in late December yes yeah, so I was already 18 and uh, yeah honestly it was a huge culture shock I was really open to um, any anything that's new just because I knew I was gonna be immersed in a whole different society where um, I guess um, I guess the faith that we um, and the God that we serve is going to be a little bit more strict in some areas. And uh, it's there's going to be a lot more, I guess, um, for lack of better words, superstition. And a lot of the spirit is going to be very different and carried out very differently. So I knew that going in. And uh, just, I guess, uh, me being the person I am, uh, one thing, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the Enneagram. Uh, one thing I, this is I've been talking about a lot recently <laughs> is that I'm an eight, which is like, labeled the challenger so i don't know if i just like i don't know if it's just hardwired in me the good way god hardwired me is to push boundaries but as soon as i went there they were like dude like my grandparents were like urging me like yo your hair has got to go <laughs> <laughs> and it was like not even that long at the time but like um i think my grandpa might be the same way just because like just for the fact that my grandma was really pushy for me to cut it he was just like nah you can go with the hair <laughs> Um, but like, it was, it was just a big talk. Um, I think one, I think the word for hair is modi and I don't really like understand Malayalam very well, which is the, the language spoken in Kerala predominantly. Uh, but I know I heard two words <laughs> in that country and I think it was modi and, uh, Chevy. Chevy is ear. And I didn't have any piercings then, uh -huh. but boy, if I did, like the girl from the yeah, like the girl from <laughs> the, the social, social dilemma, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the Dumbo ears. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, uh, yeah, you know, Micah, you've uh, you've actually been uh, you were a student under both of our pastorates, and uh, and I can definitely say that you definitely have the personality of a challenger, and uh, and you know. I think whenever I was first introduced to you, I was like, man, this kid's got a lot of energy, yeah. you know, um, but always it, you've always been very thought out in in your actions and what you do. And and uh, I know a lot of people, um, they probably misunderstand you. Um, I'd like to think that I don't I'm not saying that I understand you, but, <laughs> but, but I know that there's complexity there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and with that, that challenger personality that you have you've been able to do a lot of really really good things um you know you you're helping me out in the youth right now and i think that you uh you definitely represent 
um, a mindset that is now that is for this generation and that can speak to them in ways that I know that I can't just because there is generational issues and those kind of things that that, you know, you you come into play with. But, you know, just just tell us a little bit about your your just kind of ministering experience. What, what, have, what have you been doing as far as to, you know, hone your skills to be able to speak to a younger generation? Honestly, I, I think that's something that that I, I know I, that comes really naturally. I think one thing you said was like me being misunderstood. And I, I know that's a common thing for me in just like a lot of different environments I get into. Uh, I've had different conversations where like, I guess people would tell me what they thought of me. I was like, dude, like, I don't know where you got this idea of me in your head, but that's not it at all. <laughs> You're I'm, a jerk. Yeah, bro. I'm so sorry you thought that way. <laughs> but like, uh, well, before, I, before you go on to, it, I think that's a, a huge problem in culture right now. That's they, they look at you. You know, you're Indian, you, you got the hair, you the nose ring, the earrings. So they don't know what to do with you because mm -hmm. the typical Indian look is in this box over here mm -hmm. and you've busted out of that box and they're like, okay, what do we do with them? Because yeah. he doesn't fit in any of the boxes that we have already like put in our minds where certain people that look like certain things or act like certain people, yeah. he doesn't fit. Yeah. So we sure. automatically think... There's something different and weird about rebel, them. rebel, those Definitely. type of things. So yeah, I've I'm, I'm been pretty immersed in like what today's what you would consider today's culture. So like I, I mean, it would be a lie if I say they didn't have an influence on me. Um, like honestly, like I think one thing I like to thrive in is originality, and obviously that's kind of like impossible to kind of achieve. But like in my own form, I like to be original and just try to pursue what I actually like, or at least discover that. Um, but uh, aside from that, like, I think I just like to hear what people think um, um, just to kind of form what like what I can develop through the like what people's mindset are. And so I can understand a different perspective. And once I understand that perspective, I know how to approach people like uh, two jobs I've had has been directly working with people like uh, my first job. I worked at this place called it's it's like a giant Chuck E. Cheese. And I was a party host over there. So I knew how to work with parents i knew how to play with kids and that's something i've always been really good at and it's just been able to serve and i think it just brought more experience like one thing i learned that was like the biggest lesson from that was that to create an attitude with people that won't let them be mad at you if anything it'll just change and shift the attitude that they're feeling into something more joyful and it's something i picked off right at the bat i never had a single parent me out of the three years i worked there yell at me not one time Wow. Um, and that was something that was really common on a week to week thing. And not one time did that happen. Uh, Cause like usually they'll come in, they're yelling at the cashiers and all this different stuff. And then when they come into the party, like, like even if they want to be mad, they can't. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that's a stressful time for a parent. I know, yeah. you know, as a parent, you get, you have your kids, you want it to be a special day. Right. And then you have all your family exactly. and friends there mm -hmm. and all the stress of that. And then you, you come and there's like this 16, 17 year old punk that's supposed to tell you how you're going to run <laughs> yeah, your party. That's right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Nobody and, likes it. Like, like even recently, nobody likes a young kid telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. um, like, actually, no, I can't even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before you get yourself in trouble, let me ask you this next question. You're, you're, you're a very learned guy. I mean, I just could tell by listening to you and actually watching you grow up and knowing some of the, um, the history of your family, you all are very brilliant people. You have all been to school and just thinking about your aunt, you know, she graduated school super early. You're just, you're just 
you fall in line with that whole thing. Um, so w- when you when we talk about tradition in church, how do you balance the tradition in church with some of your forward thinking? Uh, I think uh, I broke it down to this thing like tradition is like forms of like corporate um, spiritual disciplines that like the former like group of church kind of formed to um, just keep themselves accountable, you know, like keep each other accountable, keep each other aligned. Um, and it just worked and it flowed so organically with them. But sometimes like those traditions don't translate over very well with some people. And I think some do. Um, and I like anything can really be a spiritual discipline at this point. Like, uh, like even smoking cigarettes is a spiritual discipline because you're disciplining your spirit to be like, um, I guess in bondage to this one thing that's bringing you peace. Right. And it's temporary. Mm. Um, and that's just one example, but really anything like, uh, even the Bible talks about how like sleeping too much and re- over resting can be a terrible, terrible thing. And just like, I guess, where it says like poverty can sneak up on you, stuff like that. So like there's certain things the church will do. And like since it's man-made, it's built on a crack foundation. Um, but um, if it's God-inspired, it should help in its time. And God always comes to perplex. And a church can't be amazed without being perplexed. And I think uh, having certain strong um, people in the church can help develop new ways to kind of look at things with the same motive and same objective. So as uh, we're talking about your background a little bit, where you come from and all that, and um, definitely traditional, right? Definitely traditional. So how do you find the balance of, of, of doing that as far as whenever you are encountered by a traditional perspective for maybe family and those kind of things. And, uh, you know, just the way that you're moving now would ne- not necessarily be classified as, you know, traditional. Right. Uh, I think with um, with how I handle it is like first things first, you have to address what's the difference between like person's mannerisms and versus their tradition, because um, those can get really um, confused really quickly. Um, somebody's mannerisms can get changed and influenced by anything. And sometimes people say, oh, man, that's that tradition that's keeping you down. And sometimes it's something that that person didn't take care of a lot sooner and it turned into a form of bitterness and uh um and i guess stubbornness um to be adaptable um a lot of tradition is i guess affiliated with older the older generation where um people are like oh, man this this guy's so stubborn in this way of thinking um and like it's without getting that perspective so honestly the best approach i mean i guess i've taken is just to stop talking (laughs) like one thing is like like you just have to like one of the best things i'm glad i learned recently is to just stop talking and listening and that's huge for me because everybody in this room knows how much i like to talk um and i like to challenge i like to instigate sometimes if i'm feeling up to the um so like um i have a family member likes to talk about politics a lot you know what i mean there's a few of them that like we all yeah and they just like there's some that like to jump into conspiracy theories and what i like to do is flat earth yeah bro whatever it has to be oh it's flat earth here bro (laughs) yeah i kind of caught that vibe right before i got here (laughs) like oh brother that's gonna last two seconds for me (laughs) but uh yeah so it's just like if i hear something like that like i'll if i know enough i'll just bring up all these random points just to argue, just for the sake of it, just to get in their head and just to like, I guess, be 
Uh, pff, manipulative is definitely not the right word. I used that at church camp, at summer camp this recently, recently, and it got let, taken way out of context. Mm-hmm. Quick story. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, we were having one of these late night devotionals with the guys in their, in their dorm rooms, and then, you know, Micah was, I don't know, bringing that shock factor that he likes to bring, and he actually turns to Luke. I don't know if he told you this, but he oh, turns no. to Luke. <laughs> in case you don't know, Luke is Pastor David son uh how old is he now 13 14 14, yeah. 14. so he, he looks to he looks to luke just dead square in the face you know right between the eyes and he goes luke your dad's gonna die one day <laughs> <laughs> bro that statement's already taken away out of context i don't even know what i said anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we were talking about just the the, the temporariness of things and right. all that, and how we need to wise thanks, up. Mike, with thanks the, for putting that on me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I know y'all call me old. I'm only forty five. He's, he's gonna die someday. <laughs> he's, he's gonna die soon. one day, and it's like it, it's. I mean, we're all gonna die one day, but it was yeah. just like the approach. But Luke, your dad, yeah, <laughs> specifically, not he to will be die. prophetic or anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, continue on. Oh. I was, I was, he was, done. Bro, I was, I, I don't even know where I was going. Oh, you asked me something about tradition. Uh, yeah, just like, you just have to kind of like be like, like, especially if you already have a relationship with this person, it's really easy to be on edge and be quick with these people. Um, and, uh, I guess be less tolerant about what they're, what's about to come out of their mouth. Or just by their way of their thinking. Like, there's a lot of people that, like, I guess the older I get, the way they think and the principles they stand by do frustrate me quite a bit. Um, and I try to be a little more fluid with that. And so that way I can listen to them and they can feel understood. And if they feel understood, their opinions and every single thing about them um, tends to be a little bit more flexible. Um, and then they can have a genuine conversation. So, like, one thing that the Bible says, I think in John one fourteen, is that, like I said, when it was referring to Jesus, like John is saying that he was a man of grace and truth. And I like the I like the flow of that. Like, he, he started with grace and finished with truth because no one wants to hear the truth until they're given grace. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's super important is to give somebody grace first and just listen to them and show how, like, value them. Just make them feel real. And then once they get that openness and they get that freedom and they're just emancipated from all the bondage that this world just kind of makes you think and all this misunderstanding, even about that person. The last thing, the biggest fear, I guess, of people is to be misunderstood a lot of times. And, like, or even if they're understood, they're just unloved by who they are. And I think... One thing, the greatest thing that Jesus taught us is just to know how to love on people, despite all their differences and everything that all the things that the world might call like inferior. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You know, that's what that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then we've talked about this on several different podcasts is, man, I'm really in that place where we got to get back to loving people first. Right. Giving them the grace that they need. And then, and then building that relationship with them, and then let's come in with the hard stuff. Yo, you know what I'm saying? But definitely. So so much in Christian history is just like we want to hit them over the head with the Bible, and then go, God loves you. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that didn't feel like love. Yeah, you at know all. what I'm saying? And I see that in in your generation, and I think the gener- your generation and the generation 
right before you, I think you'll have some things figured out. Um, I, I, I don't think you'll have other things figured out, but mm-hmm. you'll learn that in wisdom as Definitely. the older you get. Yeah. But I think you have some things figured out. My generation before, we just like everything that we do is work, 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 work mm-hmm. hard. Every every conversation that we have is about work. If you ever talk to your dad, mm-hmm. he's going to tell you what happened to him at work 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. What happened at work here? What happened? At, because uh, our generation is just it's 100 percent provide, provide, provide. Well, y'all's generation has have found this balance of, okay, we know that we have to work. We know we have to provide, but we also, we want to travel the world. We will also want, we want to have fun. Yeah. We, we also want to do these certain things. And I think that y'all are finding that and finding a way to love people because y'all seen some things that we've got wrong. Right. Yeah. You've seen us go into other countries and bomb other countries. You've seen the discriminative uh, type things that's gone on in America. And y'all are looking at it from the outside going, why are, why are we fighting each other when we're the same? Right. You know, and I think that y'all are seeing some mistakes that we made and y'all kind of doing some corrections there. Yeah. yeah. And then like, you know, just, just thinking about just the conversation where it's going right now and tradition, you know, traditionalist versus non um, it, it's, it gets really difficult to have these kind of, intersectional uh generation conversations because uh the definitely for the older generation they've already decided what hill they want to die on yeah and then whenever you get a new perspective a fresh perspective or a perspective that is going to be for the time now it becomes very very difficult to backtrack and to change your mind because now you feel like it attacks your identity it makes you have to say i was wrong for however many years or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and, and Pastor David, your generation, I, I think your generation is where the the definition of of the American dream, um, that's the last generation that has that. This new generation has a different version of what the American dream I is. I agree. And, um, you know, is it right? Is it wrong? Well, hey, time will tell. It worked. It definitely has worked for your generation. There's plenty of entrepreneurs out there people that have made a lot of money, a lot, a lot of success in their life. Um, but then it also encapsulates you into, into just being this, you know, prefabricated version of somebody else's image of success. Yeah. Whenever this new generation, just like you said, they, uh, you know, they, they, they want to encounter life. They want to live a little. Yes. They, they, they're considering their savings account and all that as well, but not, not as much as the previous generation. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, uh, my wife and I, we went to Hawaii and there was this girl selling, selling jewelry right there, just right on the, on, on the shore. She was a surfer. Full time. She was a full time surfer. What she she was selling jewelry as a side gig. What she did, she surfed, and she she just told us, "I sell jewelry, so I can surf." Yeah, yeah. You know, and she was happy. Yeah, and 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 quite possibly the most beautiful place I had ever seen. Yeah, you know, and and at that moment, I just you know that there was a part of me that was just completely envious mm-hmm. because I was like, I I wish I could be free almost in, right. in a certain sense but then the whole i have responsibilities i got to do this i got to do that and right. and fall back into that mold when you see these professionals and that, that you know have graduated from college and they're now they they bought these vans and they're living in the van and saving up money and traveling from from you know city to city and exploring and doing all these things being free you know um my generation we've we, we've put so much value on uh 
things, yeah. you know, buying the, the house, the, the job, all those things that we've created this trap for ourselves that we yeah. can't get out of. Because yeah, you end up being a slave to your job to exactly. pay for your things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I see this next generation. There's just like, man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to work 60, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be, I want to, I want to build relationships. You know, when I was in the corporate business, we would find that the new generation coming in, they, what they wanted, they wanted relationships. They, instead of making $18 an hour, they would take 14, 15 bucks an hour and, and have relationships and, and, and work, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a lot of the things that you were talking about, you know, listening to people and having conversation and loving them and giving them grace. And um, that's something that I didn't grow up in. I grew up in, if you watch TV, you're going to hell. Yeah. You know? Hellfire and brimstone it, preaching. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I'm really excited to see these next generations kind of correcting the wrongs and make right. And and um, it's one of those things I think I, I mentioned on uh, on a previous podcast that I always wanted when I get to heaven that, that Jesus would be black, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because in our culture that it, we have this white Jesus, you know, and we just try to make everything look like us, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and instead of making Jesus look like the culture around us. Yeah, so let, let me pose this question to the table real quick. What do you think the older's responsibility to the younger generation is as far as in a church context? What, what do you think that is, Micah? Oh, snap. Um, yeah, you're up. <laughs> uh, I think one thing is that they do have good values as far as structure goes. Um, and know from experience, I think this is already a given. I don't really have to say this too much. Um, through the experience that they've had to go through and as far as, like, people that have served, I think, the like, for me personally, like, the the higher you serve, you start to notice that you get receive less accountability in some areas um, where, like, at a higher spiritual level, not everybody can attend to you. Um, at that level, but they can still be there for you. Like recently, that's been huge for me. Um, um, it's just a lot of people like, and it's it seemed kind of selfish of me um, saying it, but once it came out, they just gave me so much grace for it. And it was like, man, like I feel like, um, like my friends, some of them are young believers, non-believers, whoever they are, but they've been there more than um, believers have been sometimes. And it's really, really hard to say that, but um, because like given like where you're supposed to find your your good counseling and stuff like that. They haven't been there. But I think um, sometimes like one thing I've learned is just with people is just repetition. And it takes a lot for um, our younger generation to kind of receive the advice of an older generation person sometimes. So, but it's just, it's just that pursuit, that relentless pursuit that God teaches us. If you continue to apply yourself and um, grace the younger generation, we're going to start to listen. Mm-hmm. Like, this the care like we value people that care for us because one thing is that's that's like a stat is like eighteen to twenty five is the loneliest age group. Um, I could see that. Yeah, and yeah. and it's really really tough because like it's it sucks because that's a, a huge and detrimental to your identity. Oh yeah. Um, and like I just like I'm trying to look at it from retrospect and see like what my identity is and not get too caught up in these different obstacles I'm going through. But um, it, it really, really would help if, um, like, and I understand that older generation people sometimes have a lot of responsibilities on their plate, but um, it's just the sacrifice um, for somebody that, like, oh, man, like, man, you have so much on your plate and you're, you're, you're taking time to feed into my spirit and my soul. And that would just mean the world. Yeah. James, what do you think the, uh, older, the older generation's responsibility to the younger one is? 
Whew. Um, man, I think they always have. Well, I think it's first important to whether you're the young people, listen to old people, the old people, listen to young people. Just remember that who the person you're listening to can add value to your life if you're willing to listen to them. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times the it, whether it's the young people listen to old people, old people listen to young people, you already shut off whatever they're going to say before they say it because you think that's just some old guy doesn't know what he's talking about or that's just some young kid hasn't experienced enough or whatever. And uh, I think you miss out on a lot of good information before you even, because you don't even get the chance to listen to it because you've already shut it out in your mind. I think that's a big problem with that stuff. That didn't answer your question. No, right? no, no. That was good. That's, That's good. good. Pastor David, your three cents. I, I definitely got a theory on this. So I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, my dad and my mom moved in uh, to the, the apartment above our garage um, just over a year ago. And I've been watching my dad get old close, you know. And um, it really is It's made me think about certain things. And, and I think that the way, the way men... First of all, the life expectancy of a man is less than a woman. So when you, if if you have a close family, you can go to a kitchen during the holidays, and this is not a sexist thing. It's just just the biology. Way You'll see in 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 the kitchen that there's multiple generations. Mm-hmm. There could be great great grandmother, grandmother, great you know, and all three or four generations in the kitchen. Um, and then you go outside and sit sit under the tree, and you can see that that same family together. But you only might see two or three generations, be, just because we don't live as long. So we're already missing out on some wisdom because of the life expectancy of a man is not as long as a woman. The, the women. Um, so we fail a lot of times for a man to see what it looks like to be eighty. Mm-hmm. If we don't know what it looks like, we, we get scared to go there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've, what I've noticed is men don't take the next step graciously. So we have the older men that should be stepping into the, the position of, of leadership and wisdom that they still want to stay in where they're at right now and still do the, the, the heavy lifting and those type of things instead of stepping up out of the way and let the next generation step up and say, hey, let me do the heavy lifting. And then you have the generation behind them able to step up and do what you just stepped out of. Right. Um, so what we do as men, cause we're uh, either we're scared to step into the next position or we're hard headed and don't get out of the way. We prevent growth from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And if we would graciously, graciously step into the next role and allow the men behind us to move forward and let the, 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 the generation ahead of us speak down into our lives, I think that you will see that the men of the church um, be more successful in all areas of their life. Right. Yeah. The other thing that I see is as men, we, we, we want to hold women responsible of the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they look, all those things. We, we expect our women to look certain ways, but we don't have that same expectation on the men. So we're failing our men because we're not holding them accountable for the way they're talking, the way they're, they're dressing, the way they're doing certain things, the way we are holding our women accountable. Mm-hmm. And I think you're seeing that in the failures 
of the men of the church, like we was talking about last week, That's because right. we're not holding them as responsible as we're holding the women. Yeah, yeah. but then like, even with that, and I, I agree with that theory, uh, but with that, then you also encounter the, the new perspective, the new mindset, and it's hard to break out of that because now you're being a traditionalist. Now you're holding on to these mm-hmm. things, and I want to forge my own path and find my own way, and that's what we find with this younger generation. My whole thoughts on, on some of these things, on what's our responsibility to our younger men, you know, I have the privilege right now uh, 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 to be a youth minister, youth pastor, and uh, uh, Micah is, is a very important part in in our team. You know, and one of the things that is constantly um, that that I'm constantly reminded of is that I need to make sure that I have an example for Micah, and I allow him to grow in grace, but I also allow him to exercise what God has already done in his life, and it's important to grow him. And, and, and allow him to grow in this context, right? Because I know 10 years from now, uh, whether he, if he's in the church, if God still has him here or wherever God moves him, right? Because, Michael, one day you're going to die. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, in, in 10 years from now, my son is going to be in youth group. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to be there or not, you know? Right. And I have a responsibility that what my son hears is biblical it's mm-hmm. it's it's grounded in, in in wisdom and 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 so i need to make sure that i'm accountable for my own actions because those that are my leaders are looking at me yeah and we have to as as the older generation we have to understand that there's wisdom that comes out of failure right That's right so we can tell the younger generation look this is what i've learned Okay, but then at the same time, we have to step back and let them become a man. Yeah, let them become their own thoughts and their own practices and those things. And either they're going to get it or they're not. But either way, the experiences that yeah. they go through, there's wisdom that comes out of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So I think that so many times that we want to hold on to our young people and we don't want to let them go. We don't want to let them experience experience life. Um, but that's not good either. You know, right. we have to be able to speak down wisdom into their life. But at the end of the day, Micah has to make his own decisions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might feel a little too far left for our own good, but that's his experience. Yeah. I remember when I was a, a young preacher, more I was you're going to hell, you got to do it this way. I was very dogmatic about things. Now, and I preach from a very, very much of a room from lots of grace because over the from the time I was 20 to 45 I needed a whole lot more grace you know what I'm saying I realized that grace is where I needed to be in um not not saying that there's not times that we we have to remind people that there is consequences but yeah yeah absolutely and you know in this conversation can go on and on about this about this kind of stuff about generation and where the church has to do but Michael let's uh you know let's the uh, just kind of humor me a little bit. If you had a message for the younger generation, what would it be? A message for the younger generation. Um, concerning the older generation. Concerning yeah. the older. Uh, <laughs> you got to, I think one thing, I'm, I'm glad you added that last part. That that would be really, really good to hear. Um, I think with the older generation, like they, they're going to make some major mistakes too and a lot of them have been passed down and it's like it's like in their mindset like it's in their how they're hardwired how they think and view things because once you grow in an environment um for so long you tend to adapt to that environment and uh 
you got to understand um, that um, if you can, you don't have to right away. Um, that, hey, this generation, um, they came from a system where a lot of it um, deep down is a lot about earning um, and um, sometimes earning love sometimes. And um, and they they need that grace, too. They need to be taken care of. Um, I, I remember I worked in a nursing home and I think once the older you get, um, I heard this in a in a message, the older or I read this in a book where you where you get older, you tend to become more, I think. Whatever that side of the brain that's more logical, I think it's the left brain. You tend to get more logical and you kind of stick with things you know. Um, they're going to do that. And it's just it's super important to help them dream dreams. Um, and that's that's scripture because it says, like, you, there's going to be a time where old men will dream dreams and young men will have visions. Um, and that applies to really just anybody in our younger generation. So if we share our visions with the older generation and we don't exclude them out of it, it'll help them dream as well. So they don't just give up right where they're at and they just don't settle in the home that they've built for themselves, that they open it up to God some more instead of just being that advice giver. Yeah. Symbiotic relationship right. between generation. Yeah. If you look at the boardroom of a church, mm. come on. I mean, yeah. it, it should represent the church. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. represent the church. You know, I'm probably the, one of the youngest ones in our our boardroom. I mean, I'm not on the board, but I'm, I'm at those meetings. Uh, and Except when you're there, Caesar. Um, we make fun of how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that as a church, that we need to open the table up. We need to That's be good. able to in, invite some other people in, even if they don't make the decision. We need to open the table up and hear what they're saying. Uh, what the church does not do well is get out in front of some very important topics. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't get out in front of some things that culturally are changing right in front of their eyes, but they wait for culture to change and then they try to catch up. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's very poor. It's, it is a very poor outlook on, on things. So we have to do better as a church. And the only, the only way you get ahead of things is by having those young people that are going through those things right now at the table to hear what they're saying. Yeah. You know, uh, so we have to we have to open up some chairs, bring some younger um, people in that have good understanding of the Bible. People like Micah, they're well learned, that have some roots in the faith, uh, those type of things. And let's just listen yeah. uh, and let that inform some of our decisions. I, I to play devil's advocate, I think the uh, argument against that kind of stuff is. Um, so, for example, let's take um, let's take like Seattle with all the so everybody's been talking about police stuff, you know, defund the police and stuff. That's like a young person, a progressive perspective. And that's mm -hmm. them. That's their opinion on those things. And then we've seen examples with like Seattle with the jazz thing and all. When you lean into that young, uninformed opinion, you get things like the jazz situation where you have these young people taking over the city. So the argument against that is. These young kids don't know as much as us older board members. We don't really, we don't need their opinion because it's going to lead to stuff like that. But I think, like you said, it's very valuable to hear their opinion and make sure they're heard. Because I think, with like the example I used, that I feel like is partially um, a response to not feeling like you're heard at all. So all these super progressive ideas that are being really pushed in the media today 
it's like an extreme backlash against feeling like you haven't that's good been heard the whole time yeah. so like all the police brutality stuff it seems like it's so extreme pushing against the police because a lot of people feel like they've been uh i can't think of the right word silence. but silence about the police brutality and stuff for you know decades now or whatever yeah and i think what i've seen in in those situations is that we're hearing the young people step up and say it hasn't been fair for a long time mm-hmm but what you find in Chaz's situation like Chaz is the, the leadership says, okay, go. And the leadership steps down. Yeah. And that's where you get in trouble. Yeah. When you say, okay, you know better than us is where you get in trouble. Instead of saying, let's all come to the table together. Yes. Let's hear your voice. And then we say, you know what? Let's go ahead and excuse them. And the, as a leadership that we sit and talk about it and hash it out, um, and, and try to find the best situation for the church at whole, mm-hmm. not for a group of people in the church. Yeah, and then like that goes back to like what I said earlier with uh, going into the situation already thinking that you know more than whoever you're talking to, and not giving their uh, opinion slash advice any kind of weight or uh, even a chance. You know, and I, and I tell you, this, this is the this is the hardest thing, and. And definitely hear me on this, and just tell tell you, you the younger crowd these things. This is this, this is where it's tough, because Micah, for everything that you know and understand, and the schools that you go through, the the money that you bring to the church doesn't pay for the church to move, right? But you look at these forty plus; they have careers. They're paying for the church, so they're saying, "Hey, man." I'm giving $10,000 a month. I'm $1,000 a month. You know, they're making $10,000 a month. They're giving $1,000 to the church. They feel like that their voice should be louder. Yeah. Right? So it's one of those, as a pastor, it's a, it's a balance. It's like, how do, we, how do we make these people that are actually providing the dollar to make the church move, to turn the lights on, to pay the bills and all those things, how do we satisfy them? but still build for the future. And as a church, we don't do that. Now, I'm not talking about our church, but I'm talking about the, the church. And broad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Corporately, you know, all through the world, we don't do that very well. And if you see some of the churches that do, on the other side of that is, oh, look at this church. You know, look, that they're so progressive, mm-hmm. right? I can't believe that they're doing those things. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you do, if you if you cater to the older crowd that are actually, uh, you know, funding the church, or you see this other church over there that's progressive because they're building for the future, that oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. Yeah. So it's one of those. It's it's a balance, and it's it's a balance that I don't think we've seen. No. Yeah, very say, many churches. I think both well. of those uh, situations you described, they were pretty much leaning in to one or the other. Right. But like you were saying, we really just need to have everybody at the table. But it's hard. Yeah. You, it's one of those things that is almost impossible to do. Uh-huh. You have to pick one or the other because if you don't, you're sitting in the middle and nobody's happy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and then you see it in politics reflected the same kind of same way. Thing. And the church should be an example to the, to politics yeah. on the on how you do it. But you know, I've heard a quote, and I'm sure you've heard it too, that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of uh, of the whole week. Right. You you look at all these churches, all these denominations. You have churches where only black people can go to, only white people can go to, and then the ones that accept everybody. You're just too progressive. You're too left leaning. You're too this. You're too that. And there's never unity. There's never common ground. But, uh, you know, I think as we as we go through this, at least, well, you know, we know kingdom will come. But uh, as we go through this, we're learning. And it's 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 so important for us to have a dialogue and a conversation, uh, not only with uh, different uh, different cultures, races, those kind of things, but then also generationally. It's absolutely important because that's where the that's where the church is going. Right. That's where we're going, whether we like it or not. So. Either we, you know, wise up and open up our ears or or just, you know, the church really is going to close down. Look at all these denominations that exist right now that are out there. The Methodists, and I'm not talking about the progressive Methodists. They've tapped into something really gnarly, right? But, like, you look at somebody like the Presbyterians, the Lutherans. Whenever you go into those churches, what do you find? Old people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old people, and then once they die, the church, that's just like what Pastor Ron was talking about, uh, you know, a the couple Methodist weeks church, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He said, look at all these churches now, big, beautiful edifices with a handful of people in there because they refused to move with the time. Yeah. You know, we just have to remember, like I challenge. And this is something that I try to make myself remember the older I get. I try to remember how I felt when I was 20 years old, how I felt about the church. So if I can hold on to that, even when I get 60, 70 years old, I can still relate. Right. But if I don't hold on to it and 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 make this whatever it is, say, okay, I'm going to remember that no matter how old I get. That way, when I get there, I'm not just like, man, turn the music down, yeah. you know? Uh, why is there's got to be flashing lights? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm already getting to that age where I lean over to Sandra and go, is it loud? <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And, and I grew up, you know, with... Four tens or two twelves in the trunk, yeah, yeah. you know, Scrooston. Yeah. So, uh, but it's it naturally happens, and you don't realize <laughs> it. And I always remember, and I always tell her to remind me, you know, yeah. remind me, hey, this. Remember what how you was feeling. Remember those those things. That way, when I do get that age, I can still relate where we're going. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I just kind of helps me along the way is is just knowing that Jesus is always in fashion, not not in secular. You know, in this in the secular world, because he's never in fashion for them, but uh, just kind of always remembering what the really what the church really means to me, yeah, and uh, and what it means to other people. It is a it is a lighthouse. It's a place that we come and we encounter the living God, and and uh, that crosses all generations and all colors and all races, and because we all, whenever we all encounter the love of God, that's that's what we want the world to see. Everything else is just secondary to that. Right. That should be our purpose. That's you know, good. Yeah. That's good. Well, Micah, thanks for coming out, man. It was a good conversation. I love he- hearing you talk. I haven't yeah. had the, the opportunity to sit down and just have a, a meaningful conversation in a while. And it was really good to hear the growth uh, that God has uh, really brought you uh, brought you to this point. And, uh, man, listen, I hope that he continues to move you. We didn't even get into your your mission strip or anything like that. <laughs> I, I know that's uh, that that was uh, super super fun. So we'll have to have you back, and we'll have to talk about some of those Definitely. things. But uh, thank you for coming, and uh, remember, keep listening, share it with your family and friends, and we love you.
Outreach Project.